in every country. Trees, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA. Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This is Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory with this month's podcast by Dr. Alessio Fini. Dr. Fini received his Ph.D. from the University of Florence in Italy. This podcast features his talk on the effect of root severance by excavation on the growth, physiology, and uprooting resistance. It was originally presented at the ISA 2012 International Conference in Portland, Oregon. Thank you. Can you hear me? Good. So today we will talk about root severance. But before doing this, I just want to remind you how is the root system of our urban trees. And we know it to be very shallow, with 90% concentrated in the upper 70 soil centimeters, and laterally very spread. It can extend up to four times beyond the drip lines. So proper urban design is required to allow tree roots uh, to grow and to um, be sure that they have enough room for growing and uh, doing their function. But that's not very easy in the urban environment, as trees in cities are subjected to intense conflicts with all kinds of built environment, including roads, sidewalks, and maybe most important, below ground services and infrastructure. That was very difficult, that was very impacting in the last decades when the advent of optical fiber and cable television required 1,000 kilometers of new trenching, and most of them were done exactly uh, next to the trunk flare. So construction activities can lead to extensive root damage. You can see in the picture that with just one trench, we can remove up to 40-50% uh, of the root system of a tree. However, surprisingly, uh, in most cases, we do not see anything until years have passed after the damage has been done. It may take uh, up to eight years before visible symptoms occur and before trees uh, show the first symptoms, including dieback and, of course, tree death. Very little attention has been paid up to date to what is happening to the tree during this period. And of course, uh, we will try to describe what happened to the tree uh, by using physiological means. Another consequence of cutting roots, as other speaker told before me, is that tree can lose their capacity to stand and uproot. So 
how to avoid this kind of damage. Maybe one of the easiest methods is to define a protected root zone all around the tree. And this root zone should not be excavated in any case. There are several methods to estimate the minimum radius of the root zone. Here's one that reported in the tree owner's manual. You just say that the uh, radius of the protected root zone should be equal to the diameter in inches multiplied by 1 for young, healthy trees or by 1.5 for mature or stressed trees. Thus, we get the radius of the protected root zone in feet. Another method developed by Matheny in 2005 considered tree age and species tolerance to root severance. And based on these parameters, it defines a coefficient. And by multiplying this coefficient per stem diameter, we can get the minimum radius of the protected root zone in meters, in that case. One last method I show you has been developed by Regione Lombardia in Italy. And it just consider the final tree size at maturity and thus define a protected root zone based just on this parameter. However, what we see worldwide is that protected root zone is very seldom respected. That's New Zealand, but same is in Florence, Italy. Another case from Italy, close to Como. Look how many roots were severed in this picture. But US are not better. <laughs> nor China it is. We could find actually example of severe root damage all over the world. So why uh, the protected root zone is so seldom respected? There, were, there is, have been a study by Despot and Gerhold evaluating why this happened. And their conclusion is that one of the major barriers to the use of tree preservation technique is that arborists uh, can choose or influence the use of tree protection technique in less than 50% of cases. So also, arborists are consulted often once visible symptoms appear on the tree. But maybe that is five, six, eight years after the damage has been done. And this may be too late. So I think that new research and education about the deleterious effects of root severance on tree growth and physiology may help successful tree preservation. So the aim of this work was to evaluate the effects of two different intensities of root severance on tree growth and physiological processes. And to do this, we used two species. Uh, supposed to differ in their ability to tolerate root manipulation. We also wanted to test one last hypothesis. It's the hydraulic pipeline model, which described that if we cut roots uh, at one side of the tree, only the branches attached at the same side of the tree will be affected in their performance. We don't know if this applies to urban trees. We will test. To do this, we used 48 European limes and 48 horse chestnut. Uh, of course, Telia has been previously reported to be more tolerant than horse chestnut to root manipulation. Uh, 
We planted these trees in 2004. We allowed them to establish till 2009. And in 2009, you can see in the table, our trees were 10 centimeters diameter in the case of Linden and nine in the case of Aesculus. According to this tree size and uh, age and species tolerance, we calculated the radius of the protected root zone according to the tree methods I showed you before. And then what we did, we just forget about tree protection zone, and we dug a trench 50 centimeters from the root flare. Uh, the trench was 70 centimeters deep and was dug at a distance reported to be 45 to 85% lower than that recommended. So we were actually quite sure to have imposed quite a consistent damage on tree roots. We got three treatments. Control trees were left untouched, not dug at all. Then we got some trees were trenched only at one side of the tree. I will refer these as moderate damage. And other trenches, other trees were trenched at both sides by digging two parallel trenches. Uh, I will call that severe damage. What we measured, we measured some biometric parameters, including shoot growth and stem diameter growth, but also some physiological parameters, as leaf gas exchange and chlorophyll fluorescence and pre-dome water potential. Then it came the funniest part. To dig roots with a higher spade, that was very hard to do, and we finished all filled with soil everywhere, but this dirty job, a load has to uh, find, to describe how the roots of our trees were, and to calculate some important parameters described by Koizumi et al. in 2007, including the influence of root geometry to tree stability and the moment factor on tree ground and their ratio, which has been defined as the uprooting resistance index. Uh, it describes the capacity of the tree to stand. So I'll show you some of the results. But first, unfortunately, we had, I must tell you, that the three years after we did the damage were quite rainy in northern Italy. Uh, the average rainfall in the experimental site is about 1,000 millimeters per year. And here we got 1,400 millimeters in 2009, 1,800 millimeters in 2010. And also, 2011, which seemed a little bit drier, but actually it was not, because if you can see in the graph, most of the rainfall was concentrated during the summer months. So drought stress is not that easy to occur if you have such a high rainfall in June and July. So we were not very lucky with weather condition. But however, we found that trenching resulted in decreased stem growth and the decline in stem diameter growth was already clear for the severe damage treatment in the first year after root severance, while it took one more, more year for the moderate damage treatment to uh, show significant difference in stem diameter. And you see there that since year two, 
both severe treatment were growing less in diameter if compared to control. Another effect was on shoot growth. And again, here we found that any kind of root damage decreased shoot growth. And we also found significant species per treatment interaction. I show you here. You can see that in, in Linden, the more tolerant species, um, any degree of root severance resulted in similar decline of shoot growth, while in horse chestnut, uh, shoot growth was directly related to the intensity of the damage done. Results of the two years are very consistent and show that uh, even three years after severance, growth is still reduced. So nothing new so far. We just found that consistently with previous work, cutting roots reduced shoot growth. But why did this happen? Is that just compensative growth? I mean, we cut roots, the tree fills it, and it just wants to recover its shoot to root ratio. So it allocates more resources to the roots and grow less in the shoots? Or is that because it's actually experiencing stress? So to answer this question, we evaluated some physiological parameters, including the pre-dome water potential I show you here. And what you can see in this graph is that cutting roots led to a steep decline, at least in the, in the second year after trenching, of tree of pre-dome water potential, especially in the severe damage. Uh, still, three years uh, after trenching, significant difference despite smaller in amplitude. But again, 2011 was characterized by summer rain. So uh, this may have helped the trees. But again, significant differences are clear even three years after the damage was done. So what happened to a tree when it feels that its pre-dome water potential is decreasing? It really feels it's losing water, it's dehydrating. And to avoid this, it, trees have a very easy way to try to save water, which is closing stomata. Closing stomata reduces water loss by transpiration, as you can see here in the graph. Uh, the effect was very significant for both species and for uh, all intensity of root severance. But what's really striking is that 36 months after the damage was done, still trees did not recover their transpiration to the level of control. So by cutting roots, we are actually decreasing stomatal conductance and transpiration for a very long time. OK, the tree closes stomata, reduces water loss by transpiration, but also CO2 influx in the leaf is reduced because of stomatal closure. And that resulted in a lower degree of carbon assimilation. Photosynthesis was reduced when we, after we cut roots. And again, we see here that at least in the more in the less tolerant species, the effect is very long lasting. We had almost no recovery in both uh, severe treatments in our chestnut 
Linden, which is something more tolerant, could partly recover, at least uh, if cut just on one side of the tree. Uh, the decline in carbon assimilation invariably reflects some kind of stress imposed on the tree and on the photosynthetic apparatus. And to investigate how severe was that stress, we used a quite common parameter to evaluate stress intensity, which is the ratio between leaf internal CO2 concentration and external air CO2 concentration. Thus, the CI over CA ratio. We calculated it over the 36 months after trenching. And we found that, especially in the warmest month of the year, that ratio decreased. And this was particularly true for horse chestnut, and particularly for the severely damaged horse chestnut. We can see, for example, 24 months after trenching, a very consistent decline uh, of the CI over CA ratio. What does it mean? Declines in this ratio indicate that stomatal limitation to photosynthesis prevail over metabolic limitation. And this is a very typical sign of a mild to moderate stress. Water stress, mild to moderate, result in very similar uh, happening to tree physiology. So actually, by cutting roots, what we did it was just to impose a mild to moderate water stress on trees. But we have to remember that these years were very rainy. These results were also confirmed by chlorophyll fluorescence measurement. We got just very little change in chlorophyll fluorescence value. Uh, F over Fm was always above 0.75, which is the threshold between healthy and stressed photosynthetic apparatus. Just once, in the case of severely damaged chestnut, we got values lower than 0.75, but then uh, some kind of recovery, despite not uh, being complete, occurred. So the take home message about tree physiology is that by cutting roots, we are actually imposing a mild to moderate water stress uh, on our trees. And the mild to moderate water stress is characterized by mostly diffusive limitation to carbon assimilation, moderate change in predominant water potential, and reversible change in chlorophyll fluorescent value. However, this mild to moderate stress occurred in years where uh, healthy trees are actually not likely at all to be water stressed because rainfall was very, very high. Another different thing if comparing uh, damage following a root cutting with normal water stress is that when a plant is mildly or moderately water stressed, we just have to water it and it will recover very fast. But that was not the case of our trees. Even when, when soil was plenty of water, values of transpiration and stomatal conductance were not as high as control. And this is probably because uh, the limitation to the photosynthetic processes is not directly related 
to water availability, but rather on the capacity of the tree to acquire, to uptake and absorb water from soil because of root restriction. So it's very long-lasting, the effect. A recovery uh, for tree to recover is not enough to have a lot of water, but they really have to regenerate their roots. So what about roots? In this graph, I show you the root system of a healthy linden, undamaged linden. That was in 2009, exactly when we excavated it. And that's what happened to the moderate damaged trees, just losing something less than half of the root system. And that's what happened to the severely damaged trees, cut on both sides of the root flare. So here's a long and damaged linden roots, about 6.5 meters long. And here's what happened to roots that were severe. You can see the red line is where the cut was done. And then we see some kind of root regeneration occurring in the two years after the damage. But you can see from the picture how slow it is, how long time uh, trees uh, require to restore uh, the, their root system to their original size, if that will ever happen. And the reduced size of the root system greatly impacted the uprooting resistance index. We can see that in 2009, immediately, a couple of months uh, after the damage was done, the uprooting resistance index was reduced by 90% in Linden and by 75% in Earth Chestnut. And things changed little over the next two years. In 2011, still, the uprooting resistance index of damaged trees was 50 to 75% lower than that of control. So we are actually threatening both tree health and stability by cutting roots. The last question was whether side matters. If we cut roots at that side of the tree, will we uh, reduce performance of branches attached on the same side? Probably the answer is not, according to our data. Cutting roots at one side of the tree just reduces tree performance of the whole canopy. And this is consistent with previous findings uh, by Wadja Muzuke et al., 2008, published on tree physiology. And they, they speculated that the reduced activity of the, the roots severed at one side of the tree can be compensated by increased uh, activity by the undamaged root at the other side and by a reallocation within the stem of the absorbed water by that root to the whole canopy. Of course, this decreased the performance of the whole canopy since water is limited. So in conclusion, the change in absorbing root surface because of water loss definitely induced a mild to moderate water stress on our trees. But differently uh, from what is normal with a mild to moderate water stress, recovery is very, very slow as it depends upon root regeneration rather than resource supply. Uh, also, the drought stress occurred in very rainy here, 
So when healthy and damaged plants were very uh, not likely to suffer from water stress. Tree can regenerate the roots. Fine roots regeneration start immediately after the cut is done, but it's very slow. So the capacity of the tree uh, to recover the, its root system takes a lot of time. And in, during this time, trees appear to be particularly exposed to drought episodes. Recovery of stability may take even longer time as tree as the roots need to thicken and to become from fine roots to support roots to increase again the ability of the tree to stand. This study has some limitation, mainly two. The first is that trees were quite young. At the time of the excavation, they were 25 to 30 centimeters in, in circumference. Thus, maybe mature trees or senescent trees may have uh, accused a greater degree of stress. Uh, and also, the three years after we cut the roots were quite rainy. So we are still waiting for drier years uh, to test photosynthetic and morphological performance. And maybe 2012 is a good candidate. And thanks to tree farms, we will be able to go on with the study. So to evaluate what will happen in the next two years. Until 2014, we will measure physiological and morphological parameters and uh, describe tree behavior after severance. Of course, to do this, we had to thin our experimental plot as the crown was starting to touch and shading each other, and we do not want that. Another thing we would really like to test since we found a very significant difference in the calculated uprooting resistance index, we would like to put it in practice and try to pull the tree to evaluate if, from the, if the theoretical uh, decrease in stability correspond to a real decrease in stability. So how to avoid root damage and to preserve tree health and stability? There are several methods. The easiest, I already explained to you before, is to define a protected root zone and not to dig it in any case. But that's not always possible, because as we have seen before, freezing cities are often as a very narrow space to live in. So other possibilities are horizontal directional drilling. We see above, or they use our hammerhead home of a hammerhead mole to dig horizontal uh, to install utilities. These methods are commonly referred as trenchless methods. Another possibility is the use of air excavation tools. You see here, including the air spade and the air suction device, this can absolutely dig the soil without, with minimum injury to tree roots. So I want to thank Regione Lombardia and Tree Fund for funding this experiment. And of course, you all for your attention. This concludes Dr. Alessio Fini's talk on the effect of root severance. 
If you would like to learn more about tree roots, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including Reducing Infrastructure Damage by Tree Roots, written by Dr. Larry Costello and Katherine Jones. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this podcast, visit the ISA online store and select Online CEU Quizzes. If you have recommendations for future topics to cover in this podcast series, please contact the ISA at elearning at isa-arbor.com. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.